The past couple of weeks, I've been thinking a lot about the stories that our lives tell and the legacies that we leave behind. You see, a story can be powerful. It can capture our imagination, cause us to think, make us, make us feel. A good story has the ability to transform us because it creates space for new possibilities, for, for change. Now think about this for a moment because we all have stories that mean a lot to us. Imagine all of the stories present in this place from all of these lives lived. Some good, some bad, some tragic, some heroic, but all of them life-altering in some way, shape, or form. See, Jesus knew this. It's probably the majority of the reason that he used parables when he taught stories that were meant to allow, to allow the hearer to think, to feel, to learn, to grow. But sometimes a parable wasn't enough. Sometimes it was a direct interaction with Jesus that created the story, which is why I'm here this morning. See, in the scriptures, the Gospels tell of an interaction Jesus had with a naked, crazy guy in the tombs whose story changed an entire region. Now, before I read the story, let me set the scene for you. Jesus had just finished teaching large crowds on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Now, these crowds were so large that Jesus ended up offshore, speaking from a boat, while the people gathered on the shoreline to listen. When Jesus finished teaching, he told his disciples who were with him to head over to the other side of the sea, and so they did, leaving the crowds behind. When they left, they left the region of Galilee, which was predominantly Jewish, including Jesus' hometown of Nazareth. And this was important because the majority of Jesus' ministry was to the Jews. In fact, up to that point, Jesus had not left Jewish territory. Now, once they left, they entered into an area on the other side of the Sea of Galilee known as the Decapolis, which was basically an alliance of 10 cities. However, these cities were not inhabited by Jews, but by Greeks. Jesus and his disciples left the known for the unknown, going to a place where no one would have known Jesus or his reputation. And we've all been there, longing to get away, to go somewhere where no one knows us so, so we can just chill. But that's not what happened. And this is where our story begins. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, 
but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. Now imagine if you were one of Jesus' disciples, and the minute you got off the boat, you were met with straight up crazy. What would you have done? Well, here's what we know about this guy. Number one, he lived in the tombs. In other words, he was immersed in the past, surrounded by death. One of the best quotes that I've ever heard goes like this. When our memories become more important than our dreams, we're in danger of dying. We can relate to that. Number two, naked crazy guy was also bound by the people of his area because they were afraid of him. However, he was so strong that he broke the chains and irons that bound him. Well, let me ask, you ever felt bound by others because they were afraid of you? Number three, this guy cried out and cut himself with stones night and day. See, he was in pain and self-harm seemed to be the only way he could deal with that pain. Many of us can relate to that. And finally, number four, according to a parallel passage in Luke's gospel, this guy was naked. Thus, naked, crazy guy. And this, this was your welcome wagon when you got off the boat. Story continues. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. What? Now, now recall that Jesus was in an area where he was supposedly unknown. <laughs> but the welcome wagon, naked crazy guy, knew exactly who he was. Well, what would you have done? My guess is that you would have tried to get out of there as soon as possible. But before we judge this guy too harshly, or dismiss him as a lost cause. I think it's important for us to try and put ourselves in his shoes. Because, I mean, let's be honest, it's always fun to try and relate to a possessed naked crazy guy. Remember, this guy was surrounded by death. He was in constant agony. He was out of control and he had been completely rejected and feared by his people. You ever felt that way 
Ever been in a place where you felt as the you really didn't have a reason to live or you were in constant pain, that, that you were out of control, rejected, exposed, without hope. See, somehow I think we've all been there in one way or another. <laughs> we've all been naked crazy guy. The good news is God has something better in store for us. And we know this because whatever was consuming this man, whatever he was experiencing, whatever evil was keeping him bound, by the time he approached Jesus, Jesus was already at work setting him free. See, the, the scriptures say that Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. And this brings me so much comfort because it reminds me that God is at work in our lives way before we ever recognize it. Jesus then goes on and asks him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. Clearly, this guy had a lot going on. Now, for the record, a Roman legion consisted of anywhere from 3,000 to 6,000 soldiers. Translation, this guy was not in control. He was one messed up dude. Now, as if that wasn't enough, this is where the story becomes even weirder. Here's what the scripture said next. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2000 in number, rushed down the steep bank and into the lake and were drowned. Okay, let's get this straight. Demons are bad. But instead of obliterating them, Jesus permitted them to do exactly what they asked and allowed them to enter a herd of pigs, knowing that they were going to go down a steep slope into the lake to their destruction. Why would Jesus do that? Well, in order to know why, there are some things that we need to understand sort of a story within a story. First, the Decapolis at that time was known for their worship of the Greek gods, especially a god named Dionysus. Now Dionysus was known as the god of fertility and wine, and ritual worship of him included animal sacrifices. The pig 
was one of the main animals regularly used in this ritual. Second, according to Greek mythology, Dionysus's mother was a human named Semele, but his father was Zeus, the head of the Greek pantheon. Therefore, get this, Dionysus was actually known and referred to as the son of God. In addition, Dionysus was killed by a plan born out of jealousy. Hera, Zeus's wife, was deeply envious of Dionysus because he was the result of Zeus's wandering eyes. So she had Dionysus torn apart by some of the other gods to get back at Zeus. What a great, healthy, functioning family. There was only one problem. Dionysus was brought back to life, resurrected by Zeus's mother, the goddess Rhea. Here's the point. Jesus went into an area where most devout Jews would not go, an area where they worship Dionysus, the resurrected son of God. Let that sink in for a minute. Jesus entered into a foreign area, healed the naked crazy guy that everyone feared and had written off, and in the process had completely disrupted the worship of Dionysus. Not to mention the loss of income and food the pigs uh, would have contributed to the area. It's almost as if Jesus were setting up a showdown between him, the true son of God who would be resurrected, and Dionysus, the impersonator. Now, if you were one of the pig herders, would 2,000 pigs falling to their death get your attention? Well, it certainly got theirs. Here's what the story says next. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Imagine being one of the townspeople. You're going about your day when all of a sudden some frantic pig herders come and tell you everything that they saw. Now, I don't know about you, but I would want to see this for myself, which is exactly what the townspeople did. So imagine you, you arrive on the scene and the first person you encounter is naked crazy guy. But now he's dressed, sitting with Jesus and acting normal. And the pigs are nowhere to be seen. How would you feel? What would you do? 
Me, I honestly, I would have been scared to death. Well, guess what? The townspeople were too. In fact, Luke's account said that the townspeople were overcome with fear. So, of course, they pleaded with Jesus to leave, to get out of the region. And that's exactly what Jesus did. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has shown mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. It makes sense that crazy naked guy who was no longer naked nor crazy would have wanted to go with Jesus. But Jesus had bigger plans. You see, Jesus knew the power of a story and through not so naked nor crazy guy, Jesus was laying a foundation for the future. See, he was already at work in the lives of the people living in the Decapolis. They just didn't know it yet. Think about it. The moment Jesus landed, it was as if he was saying to them, hey, the real deal has arrived. Are you going to follow an imitation or are you going to follow me, the one who actually makes a difference? See, I just healed naked crazy guy, the one who you thought was beyond help. What has Dionysus ever done for you? Stop following him and start following me. Oh, and if you begin to doubt who I am, I'm sending not so naked nor crazy guy to you to tell his story so that you can see and hear the truth. I love how this story ended. The text says, and all the people were amazed. But that's not exactly how the story ends. After Jesus left the area, he returned to the other side of the Sea of Galilee and continued his ministry to the Jews. However, after a while, he returned to the Decapolis, to the area that begged him to leave. Here's what happened. Jesus left the area and went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. The people were amazed, and when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing. And they praised the God of Israel. Great crowds came and brought those who were hurting, who were suffering, who were broken to Jesus. That the same guy they were all afraid of and wanted God. 
and they were praising the God of Israel, not Dionysus. Well, what in the world happened? Well, here's what happened. Not so naked nor crazy guy did exactly what Jesus asked him to do. He told his story. And because he told his story, an entire region moved from a place of fear to a place of curiosity and wonder. I mean, I just picture Jesus up on the mountainside and crowds all over the place wanting to encounter this guy that was feared. What about your story? Do you believe it matters that it can make a difference? See, what what I love about this story is that it tells us that our stories do matter, that they do make a difference, and that God is present and at work in the midst of our stories, even when we don't see it, way before we actually realize what's happening. The problem is we don't believe this. We don't believe we or our stories matter or make a difference. And and we struggle to believe that God is present in, in working through us. That we can all encounter Jesus and experience life the way that God intended. And so many things interfere with that belief. And so we settle. We look to false gods or cheap imitations and rely on lies to get by and and pass the time. But we were made for so much more. (laughs) Listen, if God can use the story of a rejected, feared, possessed, naked, crazy guy to transform an entire region, God can definitely use our stories. No matter how boring, how unbelievable, how bland, how colorful our stories are, God wants to use them to make a difference and transform this world. The question is, will you let him? Will you share your story? What is your story? Who needs to hear it? Who needs to experience and encounter the things of God? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the story of Naked Crazy Guy, of how you were at work way before anyone realized it, planting the seeds how you took on the imitators, even though no one realized it, and set things up for the future so that people could be set free. God, I ask that you would use our stories, that you would make us bold, willing to share our stories, to allow you to speak through them and transform this world. We thank you. And we love you. We ask all this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. May we share 
our stories so that earth can look more like heaven. Grace and peace.